Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning, everyone. When was the last time that you were afraid? When was the last time you were afraid? As I thought about that question this week, it reminded me several years ago when our family moved to North Carolina. Nita and our daughter Katie went on ahead of us, ahead of the truck. And so they, um, they spent at least one night, I can't remember how many, but at least one night in the, <clears throat> in the new place where we were going to live. And it, it so happened that the night that they spent in this empty house, a monster thunderstorm came through and just shook the place. And our daughter Katie never forgot that. She was terrified of the thunder. She was in a new place out of her, you know, usual rhythms, and there was this house-shaking thunderstorm that came through, and for many years after that, she was afraid of thunder. This past summer, uh, Nita and I were traveling as part of our sabbatical, and we did, uh, one of the things that we did was a fair amount of hiking, and we were hiking in national parks out west, and one of the things that we encountered, in, in, especially in Grand Tetons, initially was warnings about bears, and the signs all said, be bear aware, and there were specific things that that, that meant, things that you're supposed to be ready to, how to respond and, and so on, what not to do, what to do, and so on. And uh, we saw signs at the visitor centers, we saw the signs at the trailhead, we saw, in fact, there were even, you know, electronic signs along the roadway that they can change the text. Those signs that we drove by said, um, it's illegal to stop and look at the bears, and so we were just so very bear aware that we were actually a little disappointed that we didn't see any. Uh, we were ready. We were bear aware and we were ready to be afraid of them. We actually, late in our time there, we saw a bear way up ahead go just flitting across the road and into some brush. But it, we had been so bear aware that we, it was enough to give a little jolt of adrenaline, uh, a little fear. Not sure I, we were aware, but you know, we hadn't actually been tested by an actual encounter I experienced a different kind of fear several years before that when we, uh, we stretched to buy a house that we could just barely afford. And we, we were able to make ends meet every month, but we weren't able to, uh, we weren't able to save up much money and uh, we exhausted, pretty much exhausted our savings to move into that house. And so our, our rainy day fund didn't have a lot of, it wasn't well funded, you might say. And so um, you might say, I was afraid of what might happen if... Um, if we had a bad month or if we had to make an expensive repair to that house. But a better word for that kind of fear would probably be worry or anxiety, right? I, was, I wasn't actually, I wasn't facing an actual threat. We were actually doing okay, but I was worried about what if. I was able to imagine what would happen, you know, bad things could happen if things went south for us financially. I mean, of course, it's, it's wise to think ahead. It's wise not to be overextended, but Worrying about what could happen will eat you up inside. It can really eat you up inside. Well, today is the second sermon in, in our series, When It's Stormy. Last week, we looked at when it's stormy and I'm shaken. When it's stormy and I'm shaken. Today, we're looking at when it's stormy and I'm afraid. When it's stormy and I'm afraid, what should I do? What can I do? And I want to invite you to keep in mind as we talk about fear and anxiety that fear is Fear is uh, our kind of instant reaction to feeling, to being threatened or to being in danger. It's uh, usually something that's happening right now that I'm afraid of, something that looms up like thunder or bears or other weather calamities. Uh, I would be afraid if my car stalled out on a railroad crossing. I would kind of, you know, wonder what am I going to do? Or maybe you, maybe you felt afraid when you were in the school play and you forgot your lines and fear hit you. 
Or maybe you're afraid when someone's shouting at you and moving towards you in a threatening way. Something that's happening right now. It's, f- fear comes from the intuitive, the sensing part of your brain is a natural reaction when you feel threatened. But anxiety, anxiety's a little different. Anxiety comes from the thinking part of your brain. It comes from the part of your brain that can imagine bad things. <laughs> the part of your brain that can ask such questions as what if? What am I going to do if we run out of money? What am I going to do if this person is unhappy with me? What, if I, what am I going to do if those test results come back with bad news? It's worrying that something bad or scary might happen in the future. So some of us might be worried about terrorism. We might be worried about viruses or global warming. You might be w- worried about political chaos, things that we, we kind of roll out, imagine scenarios. We imagine bad outcomes and then worry that they'll happen. And you know, the problem there is that if you stay on that road long enough, it ends up in despair. Despair is a loss of hope where you've continued to think about all of the things that make you anxious. But I want to tell you the same thing today about fear and anxiety that I said last week about being shaken. And that is that it's a normal part of our life as a human being, as somebody who's living and thinking Being shaken, feeling fear or anxiety are normal human experiences. You don't need to be embarrassed or be ashamed when you feel fear or when you feel anxious. The key is to notice when that's happening, to be aware of it and to not deny that it's happening to you and then to take those feelings to Jesus, to surrender them to the Lord and say, what do you want me to do with this? How can I respond to this in a way that honors you so that you don't get stuck in fear or get stuck in anxiety? You know, it's interesting, I think, that there are lots and lots of Bible verses that say, don't be afraid, do not be afraid. And there are many other Bible verses that say, don't be anxious. And it may not occur to you, but nobody would ever have had to write those verses if people weren't fearful or anxious, right? If we didn't experience fear and anxiety, we wouldn't have to be reminded not to stay there, to not be afraid, to not be anxious. The key is returning to hope to returning to trust and finding our way out of those things so that we don't get stuck there. One of the main things I want you to remember from this sermon this morning is the phrase that's up there on the screen, and that is that your image of God shapes your trust in God. Your image of God, the picture of God you have, the way you think about God will shape, will impact your ability to trust in God when you experience fear, when you experience anxiety especially. So this morning I want to invite you to think about the picture you have of God, to, to, um, to think carefully about the picture, the way you picture God, and then I want, to invite you to, I want you to invite to, I want to invite you to move into deeper trust of the Lord. And I want to do that by echoing the words of David, echoing the words of Jesus, and echoing the words of Paul. So let's start with the words of David that uh, Jonathan read for us just a moment ago from Psalm 56. I think David is a great model for us uh, because he is somebody who expressed his feelings to God. He, he honestly expressed his feelings to God. In the book of Psalms, a lot of, what, a lot of which we think were written by him, a lot of honest expression of his feelings. And so he's a great example to us because he was honest about what he was feeling, but I think also he was a great example for us because he wrestled with his feelings. He wrestled through all the things we're talking about in this series. David clearly wrestled with being shaken. He knew what it was to be afraid. He knew what it was to be anxious, and he wrestled with what that meant for him. He wrestled with anger. He wrestled with grief. 
the things we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. But he's also a wonderful example to us because he always found his way back to trusting in God. He always found his way back to trusting in the Lord's provision for him. In Psalm 56, there are two sets of verses where David expresses a lament or he cries out to God and then he responds with trust. In the first four verses, we see that. He says, in the first two verses, he says, oh God, have mercy on me for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me and many are boldly attacking me. So that's his lament, that's his cry to God. This is what I'm feeling. But he says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere man, mere humankind do to me? But the key verse is the one that's highlighted for you there. He says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. That's the other phrase I want you to remember from the sermon this morning. It's one to stand out in your mind. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Actually, why don't you say that with me? It'll, it'll uh, drop it deeper into your brain. Why don't you echo that with me? When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. You're already on your way to memorizing that. Right, work on the, let that, let that uh, shape your imagination. Do you notice there that does, David says, when I am afraid? When I'm afraid, guess what that means? Sometimes he's afraid. Sometimes he's afraid and he's honestly acknowledging that. He's telling God, he's telling, by writing it in one of these Psalms, he's telling the whole world that sometimes I'm afraid. Sometimes I feel threatened by danger. But when that happens, When that happens, he says, I'm grateful for your promises to be with me. I'm grateful for my experience of you providing for me in the past. I'm grateful that you promised to provide for me. When I'm afraid, I'm telling you, God, and I'm telling myself, I'm telling my feelings that when that happens, I will put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. So in verses one through four, we have this lament and then trust. Same in verses five to 11. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. First of all, he says, verse five, they're always twisting what I say. They spend their days, these are his enemies. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step. They're eager to kill me, to destroy me. Don't let them get away with it. Don't let them uh, get away with their wickedness. In your anger, oh God, bring them down. And then this lovely verse eight, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. David has a a very clear sense of God's awareness, of God's presence. He has the confidence that not even one tear that he sheds escapes God's notice. He says, my enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. And then he echoes the the same kinds of things he said earlier in verses three and four. This I know, God is on my side, verse nine. The NIV there says, this I know, God, I know that God is for me. I know that God is for me. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can, and here's this phrase again, what can mere mortals do to me? If I have God on my side, if I know that God is with me, 
Why do I need to fear what people can do to me? Notice here in verse eight, he talks about his tears. Guess what that means? <laughs> Sometimes David is crying. Sometimes he has, he's weeping. He he's, has tears and he's, tell, he's honest about that. If you ever wondered if real men cry, here's your answer. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And when he does, he reminds himself, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I remember that you've delivered me in the past. I know that you promised to be with me, to care for me in the present. And I know that you will provide for me in the days to come. Psalm 56 ends with two verses, 12 and 13, that ends with praise and thanksgiving. I will fulfill my vows to you, O God. I will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. I know this, this is a past tense. You have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. I know you've cared for me in the past. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. So yes, fear is David's natural reaction to a threat, but he's not overcome by his fear. He overcomes his fear by trusting in God. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's not a process there. It doesn't necessarily mean it's instantaneous. It does mean that he's able to come to the place where he overcomes his fear by his trusting in God. He remembers the way God has delivered him and provided for him in the past. So he can say, when I am afraid... I will put my trust in you. David is, is this lovely, has this lovely rhythm of remembering the promises of God, remembering David's experiences with God in the past, being honest with God in the present, and trusting God for the future. When it's stormy and you're afraid, as I said earlier, remember that your image of God shapes your trust in God. I want to come back to that for just a moment. What I mean by that is if your picture of God, if the way you think of God is that God is remote or far away, that God's way up there, he's far away from my life. He's not really present. I'm not aware that he's with me right now. God is off in the distance, some faraway place. You're probably not gonna trust him very deeply because you're probably thinking he's not really aware of what's happening to me. He's not all that involved in the details of my life. He probably doesn't care very much about me. He's busy. I doubt that he can be bothered with the troubles of my, my life over here. You're probably not going to be very deeply trusting of God if that's the way you picture God. Similarly, if your picture of God is as someone who is grumpy or angry most of the time, who's really kind of frowning at you most of the time and just kind of looking for a, a, a reason to, to whack you again, if that's kind of the way you think about God, you're also not going to be all that inclined to trust him because you're thinking, he's not really on my side. He doesn't really feel much sympathy for me or the challenges that I face. And I'm certainly not going to trust him to be tender with my weaknesses. I thought of this just a moment ago where we sang this song about the goodness of God. And I thought, if this is your main picture of God as somebody who's mostly angry and perpetually constantly disappointed with you, it's probably hard to sing that last song we sang about the goodness of God. Thou trust in the goodness of God and I think what we said was, with every breath that I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of God. If that was hard for you to sing, that might be an indication that you need to look at your picture of God, the way you think of who God is. Jesus once told a story about a nobleman who was going on a trip, and when he left on his trip, he called in 
three of his servants. He was going to leave them in charge of some of his property while he was away. He gave each of them about $5,000, and then he went away on his trip. (laughs) When he came back, he met with them individually, and when he met with the first servant, his first servant came in and said, hey, I'm really happy to tell you that the $5,000 you gave me is now $50,000. It was multiplied 10 times by the investments I made. And the master was delighted with that. The second one came in and said, I'm delighted to tell you that the 5,000 you gave to me is now $25,000. It multiplied five times. Tremendous rate of return. The third servant who came in said, here's your $5,000 that I kept for you. I protected it. Nobody got to it. Here it is. I'm giving back to you the 5,000 that you gave to me. Jesus says in Luke 19, the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money. I kept it safe. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man to deal with and take, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You know, when I read that, I can almost picture that servant kind of coming in, you know, cringing in front of this master. I was afraid of you. I didn't know what to expect from you. Is that servant going to trust his master? Is that servant in a trusting really? No, because his picture of his master is that he's a hard man taking what isn't his and harvesting crops he didn't plant. Maybe you're like that servant. Maybe you're like that servant where you're sort of not sure about God and you're cringing in front of him. You're saying, I don't really trust you because I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of you. I know you're a hard person to deal with and I'm, I'm just trying to stay out of your way. <laughs> Are you just, just trying to stay out of God's way, hoping God doesn't notice because you're afraid of him? On the other hand, if you picture God as a loving father who wants what's best for you, if your picture of God is as a loving father who is lovingly present with you, who is for you in every situation, if your picture of God is as a loving father who has taken on pain and suffering as well, who knows what it is to suffer and to feel pain as a human being, you're far more likely to think he's trustworthy. He loves me. He'll provide for me. I think that's the picture of God that David had that enabled him to write something like Psalm 56. Think of a father and his young son walking through a park. They're out and they're in the park when a large dog comes bounding over to them, the dog's as big as the little boy. And, maybe, and the little boy is afraid and he shrinks back. Maybe he grabs his dad's leg and he's, he's terrified of this dog. But if the dad recognizes the dog, knows the dog isn't dangerous, he's just kind of exuberant and a little bit out of control. Is a, a mature, loving father who loves his son, who is for his son, is he really going to say to that little boy, what's wrong with you? Don't be afraid of this dog. I can't believe I'm disappointed in you one more time. How could you be afraid of this dog? Nothing to fear there. Or is a loving, mature father who is for his son not going to say something more like, it's okay. It's okay, son. You don't have to be afraid. I'm right here. I'll protect you from it. I know he's as big as you are. I'd probably be afraid if I were in your shoes too. You don't need to be afraid. I think that's the, that's the picture that David has in mind when he says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I don't have to be afraid of you because I know you're on my side. I know you are for me. I might be afraid of other things from time to time, Lord, but 
I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you. Some of you, know, some of you who know your Bibles well are probably thinking, what about that phrase, the fear of the Lord? Doesn't the Bible tell us to fear God, to live in the fear of the Lord? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You know your Bible well. <laughs> and, and there are some times where people are actually afraid of God, where people uh, are afraid of his power or they're powerfully convicted of sin. For example, in, in Second Chronicles, uh, several times, it says that the people around the Israelites were afraid to face them in battle because they knew the Lord was on their side. And it says the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Or for example, in Isaiah 8, where the Lord is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, it says, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to hear. He is the one you are to dread. There's a word. He's the one you are to dread. But if you read that verse in context, what it's talking about, what he, basically what it means is don't play around with God. Don't play around with God. He's holy. He's righteous. And don't think that's a joke. Don't think that that's something you can just play around with. But most of the time when the fear of the Lord is described as something that we should do or something that we should have, what it means is a deep reverence, a deep awe or a deep reverence for the Lord that shapes how we live. One of the things that God is so, mostly frustrated by in the Old and New Testaments is when people say, oh yes, Lord, we reverence you. We're in awe of you, but then they, they live like the pagans around them. The fear of the Lord is something that uh, is the deep awe, the deep reverence for God that shapes and changes how we live. So for example, Psalm 33 verse eight says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. So there you have an example also of what's called Hebrew parallelism where the main idea is, <clears throat> this is all through the Psalms, where an idea is expressed and then it's immediately echoed in different words. The same idea is echoed in a parallel way. So it says, let all the earth fear the Lord. And then the echo is, let all the people of the world revere him. So that's why I say the fear of the Lord is really reverencing God. Or Psalm 112, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. It would be a little hard to fit together somebody who's terrified of God with somebody who's delighted to, to, to live in his command, to live out his commands. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Or 1 Samuel 12, be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he's done for you. So it doesn't mean that we live our lives, we're, we're commanded to live our lives in a perpetual state of fear, being afraid of God. It means we live in a deep awe of God. And more than respect, we live in a deep reverence for God that shapes the way we live our lives. So I think the question I have for you this morning is, do you know what it is to be afraid? Afraid of an enemy, afraid of a disaster, afraid of a disease, afraid of bad news? Do you know what it is to be anxious, to worry about something, worry about a bill that you need to pay, to worry about a child, to worry about a relationship, to worry about what might happen to your family or what, what might happen at school. 
or maybe you worry about what might happen at work, or maybe you worry about what might happen here at church. Or maybe you worry about what might happen to our country or somewhere else in the world. As I list those things, maybe something comes immediately to mind for you from the last week or two, week or so. Something that you've been afraid about or that's made you anxious. I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to urge you to do three things if something has come to mind. And as I said, I, I'm, I'm confident that if you're living in a human body, that at some time you have been afraid, you have felt anxiety, you've been tempted to it, you've experienced it. When that happens to you, I urge you to be honest about your feelings. The first thing is I would urge you to be honest about your feelings like David was. When you're afraid, when you're anxious, face it and say, yeah, that's happening to me. That's what I'm feeling. As I said, your, your feelings are a natural reaction to what's happening. Also, I want to note there that working through or walking through an experience of being afraid or uh, ending a habit of being anxious is usually a process. It's, it's not usually something that happens in an instant, <clears throat> that immediately you have an idea or something happens and you think, oh, that's gone, I'm, I'm done with that. Because truthfully, the more badly you're frightened, the longer it's going to take to get over that fear. Like I told you, my daughter's fear of thunder stayed with her throughout all of her teen years, actually. Or the deeper the pit of anxiety you're in, the more of a process it's going to be to find your way back out. But if you know that your God loves, that God loves you and that God is patient with us in our weakness, you know that God will be at work within us to see that process through. So be honest about what you're feeling. Secondly, I urge you to remember that your image of God shapes your trust in God. And so my urging is that you accept the biblical image of God as a loving father who wants what's best for you. That if that's not the main way you picture God, that you pay attention to that. Maybe you meditate on the scripture, Psalm 56 or Psalm 103. When our children were younger, one of the things we did as a family was we memorized all of Psalm 103, a lovely portrait of who God is and how God cares for us. I urge you to accept the biblical image of God as someone who is loving, a father who is lovingly present with you, someone who is for you no matter what your circumstances, someone who's experienced pain and suffering and knows what it is to face those things. I urge you to saturate your heart and your mind with a biblical picture of God until you're deeply convinced that he's trustworthy, that he truly loves you, that he will provide for you. The goal is, so, is to reshape your picture of God, your image of God, so that you can put your trust in him when you are afraid or when you're anxious. So I urge you to be honest about what you're, what you're feeling, to um, accept the biblical image of God as a loving father. And thirdly, I urge you to take your true feelings, what you're actually feeling, to Jesus and to consider what he wants you to do with them. Ask him to comfort you. Ask him to strengthen you. Jesus is the one who said in John 14, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And when I read that, if you hear that as a kind of a frowning and scolding instruction, 
I want to invite you to reconsider that. This is something that Jesus said to his disciples in the upper room uh, on the evening before he was arrested and then the next day was crucified. I think it it's, fits the context much better to imagine that Jesus said this with a loving patience. That he said to them, I know things are going to be pretty unsettled in the next 24 hours for you, but my peace I leave with you. I'm not giving you a worldly peace. I'm giving you my peace, my peace I leave with you. You don't need to be afraid. Take heart, you don't need to be afraid. Paul echoes this when he says in Philippians 4, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious, so don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because the Lord is near, you don't need to be anxious about anything. You can rest in the peace of God. Even beyond what you think is possible, beyond your understanding, beyond your ability to explain it, take your honest feelings to the Lord and ask him, to remind you of the hope you have in him. Ask him to guide you to peace. If you aren't sure how to do that or if you just want some encouragement, talk to someone that you trust, someone you know who loves you and ask them for your help. Several of us will be gathered for prayer here in the front after the service. You're welcome to come and allow us to agree with you in prayer. Remember that he's lovingly present with you in all your troubles that he has authority over all the circumstances of your life. So that you can honestly say with David, when it's stormy and I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for... Thank you for all the ways that you have shown us that you are gracious and compassionate. All the ways you have assured us that you are present with us no matter what our circumstances, no matter what we're facing. We're so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you came and you experienced all of these things in human flesh, that you know what it is to be afraid, you know what it is to be anxious from the inside. You know why we would be afraid, know why we would be anxious and know the the anguish of struggling with those things at times. Lord, I invite you to use these words this morning, this focus to align our picture of who you are more fully with who you really are. To align our image of you with who you really are so that we can deeply trust in you. And Lord, where that's a stretch for some of us, Lord, I just invite you to open our, our imaginations a little bit further. Open our hearts a little bit further to your loving kindness, to your loving grace. And Lord, where there's somebody here in the room or online, uh, live stream, who's, who's listening and thinking about this, who's really struggling and who feels far away from you and who really 
just isn't, isn't at a place where they could trust you at all. I ask you, Lord, to show them your love for them in a way that makes sense to them for where they're at at the moment, that your loving kindness and your grace would reach out to them wherever they are. And whatever it is that, that, that creates a barrier to trusting in you. Lord, we are so grateful for your love for us, which we, we will just never understand. <laughs> it's so profound and so relentless and so patient. And we are so grateful. Thank you for your patience with our struggles, our attempts to, our feeble attempts to reach toward you. Lord, we really do want to be a people who can say without hesitation, when we are afraid, we will place our trust in you. Amen. Well, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is at work, uh, certainly in me. Uh, thank you, Pastor Carl. I think we, we should just acknowledge we just heard a word of truth, a trustworthy word that... Um, God is speaking to us today, and um, Pastor Carl asked us to, can you think of a situation where you've been afraid or been anxious? I'm like, yeah, let me list all the ways. Uh, I got a whole long list. Um, 